had a, uh, a good New Year. Did anybody stay up till midnight? No, I didn't make it? Nope, didn't make it. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if I did or not. If I did, it was because the girls were awake. Um, but I tell you, we, I, it, was, it was a blessing to have a white Christmas. We actually had snow on Christmas, and then it seems like right after, we're right back up into the 50s. So uh, it's the uh, best of both worlds right there. Um, Kate got her staples out. She had 60 staples removed, um, and she's feeling pretty good. Uh, so we're going back on Wednesday. <laughs> we're going to be in Lexington Wednesday. We're going to see her oncologist and, and get the results from her pathology report back. So um, keep her in your prayers. Um, and I, I mentioned earlier we, we, uh, we had Paul's funeral on uh, Friday. And what I, what I loved about it was that they addressed him in his blue coveralls, uh, and, and they had his hat with him. And that, that's how I always remember him. That's how I remember him walking in all the time, and um, I, I thought it was fitting to have him uh, dressed that way. Um, it was really nice. Uh, and Brother uh, David Howard, uh, he, he read the obituary, and, and he shares a story that he had about Paul where uh, he went and visited Paul in the hospital. And, uh, you know, Paul was a pretty humble guy. He, he, anytime we would uh, ask for prayer for him, he would kind of put his head down. He, he didn't want the attention. Um, but he told Brother David, he said, no, you didn't have to come to the hospital to see me. He said, I'm not afraid to die. If, if, if I die, I know where I'm going. Um, and that's really, that's, it's a luxury that only the saved can have. Uh, it, it, only the saved know for sure where it is they're going. And, and, and there's a peace that comes with that. Um, there's a peace that comes uh, when we know Christ. Um, as, we read, as I read in, in Philippians at the funeral, um, to die is gain. You know, what, what we're experiencing here can be nice. But when we die, no matter how great our lives here on earth are, we're gaining um, to, to be with him. Um, and that doesn't mean that we should have a death wish. It should not mean that we want to go. Um, I love my life. Uh, you know, I got a, a, a wonderful wife and, and, and some great kids that I want to spend time with. I want to be able to watch them grow. I, I don't want to leave right now, but I do know that if, if it's my time, if God calls me, he's calling me into something greater. Um, as much as I love being here, I, I know that he has more prepared for me. Um, when I lived in Memphis, we, we would go to this restaurant called The Side Porch. It was a little uh, family-run business uh, restaurant. And when you would go in and you would sit down, like, like other restaurants, they would bring you bread. But this bread, it was a basket of bread, and it was homemade. And uh, they would cut it up, and they, they would toast it, and they would put uh, garlic, butter and so it, it, they were phenomenal they were just really really good um, and when you went in you were you would fight over the basket and who's getting the um, the bread but they also made some of the best steaks that you'll ever have uh, they, they cooked them just right they were always juicy and thick uh, and you could cut them with your fork they were just perfect um, and it got me thinking that you know our lives are kind of like that basket of bread at, at, at the side porch. Um, you should enjoy it because it's free. You didn't ask for it. It was given to you. 
Um, you didn't have anything to do with it. Um, and each piece of bread in that basket represents uh, something in your life, an aspect of your life, a time in your life, something that happened in your life. Some of them are good and some of them are bad. Some of them are going to be burnt. Uh, some of them are going to be overseasoned. Some of them are going to be just right. Um, but no matter how good or how bad the bread in that basket is, you need to remember that there's a steak being prepared for you. Right? The, the problem too many people have is that they only focus on the bread. They only focus on the now, the here, the, the lives that we're living now. And, and we forget that there's so much more. There's so much more to be had past this. And some people just fill up on bread. Some people just fill up. They, they, all they care about are the things that they have in this life to the point where they don't worry about what happens later. Paul understood that there was something beyond this life, and he trusted in God. And he knew, he kept God at his word. He said, God is going to, prepare, he's going to provide for me. He's going to prepare a place for me, and when I get there, it's going to be far better than what I have now. Uh, for the next couple of weeks, uh, I want to look at three young men that showed their trust, and their faith in the Lord. Uh, so if you'll turn to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. I'll give you a minute to get there. I, I know it's just after Ezekiel, right? i got to double check. Yeah, just after Ezekiel. Page 778 in my Bible. Daniel chapter 3. And when you found it, if you're physically able, I would ask that you would stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to be starting in verse 13. Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 13. The word of God says, Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and uh, psaltery in the symphony, and all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast into, or you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us. From your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Let's pray. Lord, we are uh, thankful for today. We, we were just, um, it's an honor to be able to come into your house to, to worship you and study your word. Um, Lord, we, we um, are short one today with, with, with the passing of Paul. 
Uh, we pray that he is uh, with you. We know he is sitting at your feet, uh, just gazing at you and worshiping and singing hymns to you. Lord, we are going to miss him, but we know that he is in a better place now. He is gained. Um, Lord, we just pray that you'll be with us. Open our hearts, open our minds. Allow this word to be imprinted on us as something that we can take with us. Lord, speak to our hearts today as your servants are listening. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, what's happened uh, that has led these three Hebrew boys uh, to be threatened by being burned alive? What, what, what has led up to this? Well, King Nebuchadnezzar, he was the king of Babylon, he conquered Jerusalem. And when he did, he sent some of his men into Jerusalem and he said, I want you to find some uh, men without blemish, perfect specimens, right? They, they, they just looked, they were good looking guys. He said, find some good looking men that are also smart. He said, I want the smartest of the bunch because I want them to serve in the king's palace. And that's a good idea. My, my father told me that a long time ago. He, he, he said, uh, if you ever find yourself in a position of power, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, but that will stay committed to you, right? Um, and uh, that, that has worked well for him. So th- that's what the uh, King Nebuchadnezzar is doing here. He's trying to surround himself with smart people that, that he can have um, work for him. Uh, Daniel and three of his friends were part of that group of people that were selected. And what happened was they were, they were taken aside they, they were, and they were taught. They were going to learn the language. They were going to learn what um, working in the palace was, uh, entailed and what it was all about. And when they were being taught, they were given the king's food and wine. This wasn't scraps. This wasn't something that they would just feed to the hogs. They were literally getting the same food and wine that the king had. They got the good stuff. But they didn't want to defile themselves by eating it. There were certain things in the king's diet that they could not eat, according to God. Right. So what they did was they went to their, uh, the, the, the head uh, teacher, and the person that was over them, and said, we can't eat this. And that man said, well, I can't have you gaunt and skinny and, and not looking right in front of the king. So what, what can we give you? And they said, we want vegetables. I, I've never met a man that said, I would rather have vegetables instead of a steak. But that's what these men did. They said, we want vegetables. And they were fed vegetables. And they, it, 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 the Bible actually says that they, they were uh, heavier. They became fatter than those that were eating the portions of the king. So, God blessed them with knowledge because they uh, stayed committed to God. They, 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 didn't, uh, they didn't make excuses as to why they were eating that food. They decided, we're going to stay firm. We're going we're to stand firm on our commitment to God. And God blessed them with knowledge. And specifically, Daniel, he blessed with the ability to understand visions and dreams. And that was important. Because King Nebuchadnezzar started having some very strange dreams. And he brought in all of his wise men, the, the, the people that, that he thought would be able to interpret his dreams for him. So he brings them in and he says, I want you to interpret my dream. 
And all those wise men say, great, we can do that. What, what was your dream? He said, well, if you're truly wise, you'd be able to tell me what my dream was and then interpret it for me. Of course, they weren't able to do that. So King Nebuchadnezzar gets mad and he decides, I'm just going to kill them all. So he sends men out to kill all of these wise men uh, for not being who he thought they were or who they claimed to be. Well, Daniel gets wind of this. Daniel finds out that that's what's happening. And he says, give me a chance to interpret the king's dreams. So he prays to God and God reveals to him what the king's dreams were. So Daniel goes before King Nebuchadnezzar and he, he says, um, I understand what your dream is. You're dreaming of this large statue. And the head of it, each section of the statue is made of a different material. The head is made of gold. The chest and arms are silver. The belly and the thighs are bronze. The legs are iron and the feet made of clay. What happens in the dream is a rock ends up hitting the feet and shattering the clay. And the whole um, statue comes tumbling down and then it gets blown away like shaft. And then they say that the, the rock becomes a mountain that covers the earth. So King Nebuchadnezzar understands, okay, this, this guy's for real. He understands. He's, he knows what my dream is. And after interpreting the king's dream to him, which was basically King Nebuchadnezzar's um, uh, empire was going to eventually collapse, and he was the head of it, the, the, the gold. Um, Nebuchadnezzar fell on his hands and knees, and he said to them, Your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings. They, they, were, they were pagans. They believed in, in, in many gods. That's why he said, there are a lot of gods, but your God's above them all, is what he was saying. Not your, you have the only God. He said, yours is the God of gods and the Lord of kings. He then made Daniel a ruler over the entire province of Babylon. And because uh, he became a ruler, because he had that stature, he did what any good friend would do. He hooked up his three other friends with jobs, too. Right? He got them all promoted. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So, Nebuchadnezzar, it's amazing how quickly somebody can go from, he is the Lord of kings, he is the God of gods, to I'm going to build a statue and we're going to worship that. I think it was about ten verses. He goes from recognizing who God is to... Um, completely rejecting him. But what he does is Nebuchadnezzar, he, he has a statue built that's 90 feet tall. Um, and when you hear people talk about the statue, uh, oftentimes you'll hear them suggest that uh, the statue was of himself. The Bible doesn't say that. We don't know what the statue was actually of. Uh, just that it was 90 feet tall and I believe 9 feet wide. Um, and then on the day of the big unveiling... Everyone's there. Everybody that works for the king is there to, to see this statue. Uh, the, 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 the higher-ups all the way down to uh, the, the, the peasants. They're all there to see this. And they're told that when the music starts to play, they need to fall down on their hands and knees, put their face on the ground, and worship, um, worship the statue. It appears that everyone did except 
for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some of King Nebuchadnezzar's men, they, they were astrologers to be exact, people that would read the stars for, for the king. Uh, they noticed that the three weren't worshiping the statue and they ran and told on them. They, they did what, what Charlotte likes to do, telling on her little sister. They ran and told the king that they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. And of course, Nebuchadnezzar, after paying to have this statue made of gold, 90 feet high, built, and he told people to worship it, and he's used to having his way, finds out that these men are not doing it, he gets angry. He gets mad, and he has them brought to them, and he gives them the opportunity to change their minds and worship the statue. And you know what happens if they don't worship the statue? They get thrown into the fiery furnace. And he reminds them of that. He said, if you want to bow down to the statue and worship it, good. But if not, you know what the consequences are. You know that you're going to be thrown into the furnace. But still, they refuse. And we'll take a look next week at what happens um, when they refuse. But for today, I, I want to take a look at um, what, what can we take away from this passage of Scripture here. Uh, first, let's take a look at the astrologers that turned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in. We all have astrologers in our lives. We all have these people in our lives that um, don't like us for whatever reason it is. And they're always looking for something in our lives to pick apart to try and tear us down. Well, they were angry at uh, these Hebrew boys because they felt like they were above them. They felt like that, uh, that, that these people from Jerusalem that had been promoted, they looked down on them for so long that, that now you're elevating them to about the same standard as we are? We're so much better than them. How are they on the same pay scale as we are? Right? They, they didn't want to be equals with them, and they didn't see themselves as equals. So they were looking for a way to knock them down a peg. So these men waited for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to do something wrong. And as soon as they did, they turned to the king. They turned them in. And this is a good lesson for Christians today. People are always watching what we do. Um, and you need to be prepared to defend your actions. Right? They, they, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they needed, to be able to, they needed to be prepared to defend themselves as to why they weren't going to bow down. The lost and, and people that don't have a relationship with God, or maybe even people that question if God even exists, they watch Christians to see if we're living by the way we, we, we preach. They're looking to see if we live by the way we claim to be. They, they're looking to see if we're living by the, what the Bible tells us we're supposed to be living. And when they see us living um, like the rest of the world, they label us as hypocrites. You hear, that, you hear that word a lot thrown around in church. They're, they're hypocrites. Well, everybody's hypocrite, right? People say, I don't want to go to that church. There, there are a bunch of hypocrites there. Well, <laughs> if, you find, if you're able to find a perfect church where everybody's just happy, everybody's doing the right thing, don't join it because we don't want to mess that up for those people, right? There, there's no such thing as the perfect church. And it's not, just out, you know, it's not just outside the church. It's not just uh, outsiders that are looking in at us. It's people inside the church that are looking at each other. Right? People in the church watching 
They're quick to point out what other people's faults are. Don't do that. James 4 says, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. We're not judges. We're not not to um, talk about other people. We're not to be backbiters. We're not to be gossipers. We're not not supposed to um, be tearing people down. If you see a brother that's doing something wrong, you should address it with them, right? We're not to address it with everybody else and start rumors about that person. Don't talk badly about each other. So that's a good lesson to learn, that, that, that when we choose to do something, we need to be able to defend ourselves. In it. But here, here's a question for you. How did they know, how did these guys know that they weren't worshiping? If you're supposed to be on your hands and knees with your face on the ground, presumably with your eyes closed, worshiping the statue, how did they know that these other three weren't doing the same thing? That's the problem. People, they, we get so interested in what everybody else is doing that we forget that we're not doing the right thing, right? They, they knew what they were supposed to be doing, but they didn't care. They wanted to catch somebody else doing something wrong. Don't allow your feelings towards someone else to distract you or deter you uh, from doing what God commands us to do. Now, God certainly was not commanding those boys or the to, to worship the statue, but you, you get the, the parallel there. They weren't doing what they were commanded. They were watching other people. Um, can I point out one thing about uh, what Nebuchadnezzar does here. Hey, you know, we, we, no matter how bad somebody is, we ought to be able to find something good about that person. And Nebuchadnezzar is not a very, very good person uh, that we read about in the Bible, but he does something here that I think is very good, and I think it's something that we, should, we could learn from as a society. He does it in verse 14. It says, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods and worship the gold image that I have set up? Did you see what he did there? Remember, in the verse, in the verse before that, it said that he was enraged and he was furious at these boys. But when they're brought before him, what does he say? He says, is it true? You know, in society today, we're so quick to condemn anybody based on like fifth person um, hearsay. He didn't do that. He had heard from one person saying that they weren't doing the right thing and he was angry. And he could have just had them thrown into the fiery furnace right then and there. But he didn't do that. He asked them, he said, is it true? He wanted to hear it from them, right? Because especially today's age where we, we hear all, you ever play that game uh, telephone where one person whispers something in somebody's ear and they start whispering it in ears? It starts off with uh, uh, Billy baked a cake. And then by the time it gets to like the, the fifth person, it's like Billy killed his neighbor's dog. And you're like, how did we get here? Well, that's what he's doing. He's saying, no, I don't want to hear from anybody else. I want to hear from you. Even though I'm angry about what I've heard, I want to hear from you first. And that's something as a society we need to learn to start doing. I feel like due process has been thrown out the window. We just, we just convict on the words of others. Um, 
so keep in mind, always be um, uh, aware uh, of your actions. Are, are you doing what, what God commands us to do? The second thing that we can take away is the obvious, and that's they didn't bow down. They refused to. And they could have made excuses for it. Right? They, 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 they could have said, well, everybody else is doing it. Right? You, you hear that a lot. I hear that a lot, a lot in high school. A lot of my high school kids, well, they did it. I, that's why I went. And, um, they can make excuses. They could have said, you know, uh, we're in a leadership position under the king. This is part of our, our job. This is part of our duty to, to do what the king tells us to do and to set an example for the rest of the people. They could have said, uh, just because we're, we're bowing down our hands and knees doesn't mean we're bowing down with our hearts. We, we could look like we're worshiping the statue to everybody else, but we'll know, and God will know our hearts. He knows that we're not. They could have said that. They could have said, you know, we can do more good from the position that we're in right now of authority for the people than if we're thrown into the fiery furnace. They could have made excuses as to why they were going to bow. And you can see how easy it would have been to justify doing that. Justify bowing down to the statue. But they didn't make excuses and they didn't compromise. You know, I, I told you early on, when, when they were given the king's food, they knew that it, that food, that type of food would have defiled their bodies and they didn't want to do it. They didn't compromise. And the, the Bible calls it the king's wine and delicacies. This wasn't slop. This was the good stuff. I'm sure it tasted good. Um, but they refused it because they knew that God would not approve of it. And they weren't willing to make that little compromise. They needed to eat, right? They weren't willing to compromise. And by standing up against the small challenges that we face in our walk with God, um, it helps us prepare for the bigger challenges that are surely going to come our way. Um, you know, we, we are the bride of Christ, right? And it's kind of like in a marriage when, when there's infidelity, it doesn't, always, it doesn't happen right away, I wouldn't imagine. It's little things. Maybe you meet somebody at a gathering. Well, that's innocent. And then they send you a Facebook request, friend request. And you say, okay, well, yeah, I met them. I know them. I'm friends with a lot of people on Facebook. I'm going to add that. And then they send you a message. Well, it would be rude of me not to respond to their, their message. Um, and then they're around your office around lunchtime. And, hey, we have to eat, right? So one thing, you can see how little... Little compromises, little, um, little things can add up to something much larger. Well, they didn't compromise on the small things. So when the big thing came, they were able to um, withstand it. Those little small moments that we make um, excuses for, that, that, that we um, compromise in, they, on our walk with God begin driving a wedge. They begin making a, a, a separation between us and God. They, we don't, they don't seem like at the time. They seem like small things, but they add up. And eventually, when you start not feeling close to God, I know I've said it in the past, but if you don't feel close to God, guess who moved? It wasn't him. 
He, he's always going to be there. He always wants to be with us. But it's us. We start taking those little tiny steps. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't compromise on the food, and God blessed them. They didn't, they didn't compromise on something small, so God blessed their obedience. So when it came time to um, disobey what the king was telling them to do and face the death that was punishment for it, they were prepared. They felt God close. They knew that God had been just. God had been fair to them in the past, and they knew that he was going to be that way again. The third thing, finally, is just like uh, Paul Howard, they did not fear because they knew who they, who they belonged to. They knew who they belonged to, so when it came to standing up to Nebuchadnezzar, they could do it without fear. And how do I know that they didn't seem to be fearful at all? If you look at uh, verse, uh, or chapter 2, verse 4, when Nebuchadnezzar is talking to his men, they address him, O king, live forever. Right? They, 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 that's how they start their conversation with the king, showing respect to the king. They're, they're fearful of the king. How do Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego talk to the king? They say to him, let it be known to you, O king. They're bold in front of the king. They're not bowing down to the king. They're not showing any fear to the king. They're being bold because they trust in the Lord. They didn't fear the king. They feared the king of kings. They were going to follow God's commands, not those of Nebuchadnezzar. And being fine young Jewish boys, I'm sure they would have been familiar with Exodus chapter 20, where it says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, just like they were staring up at a 90-foot carved image of any likeness, regardless of whether it was of uh, Nebuchadnezzar or not. Any likeness of anything that is in heaven, even if this is a, 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 something of me, if this is a statue of me, people will start worshiping the cross before they worship God, right? Because it's something they can see. He's saying, no, don't worship any carved thing. Don't worship any material things, whether it's um, in heaven above or is on the earth beneath. Or is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. That's clear what, what God was telling them not to do. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Remember that. He is a jealous God. Visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generations of those who hate me but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. He's going to show mercy. They understood that as long as they continued to worship God, as long as they didn't bow down to this statue, as long as they continued to do what God told them, he was going to show them mercy. That's why they could come so boldly before the king and deny what he was telling them to do. And because they had kept his commandments in the past, they knew that he was going to do it now. They could trust him now because of what he showed them in the past. 
They knew that they were looking death in the eye, but they knew who they belonged to. Isaiah chapter 43 begins, But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, God made us, God created us in his image. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. That's what Christ did for us on the cross. He redeemed us. He paid for our sins. I have called you by your name. God knew you before you were ever created. He knew you before the earth was created. He knew you in the womb. And he says, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. And we'll talk about uh, that promise that he makes uh, next week. But do you have that assurance? Do you have the assurance that, that Paul Howard had, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have? Do you know that you belong to him? And then no matter what you're facing here today, one day you will be with him. And it will be far better than anything you can possibly imagine. Do you have that assurance that when you stand before him, he's only going to say one of two things. He's either going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Or he's going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me. Do you know for a fact that he's going to say, well done? Brother Paul knew. He knew that, and he had that peace that comes along with it. Do you have that peace? Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful for all that you do in our lives. The, the, the lessons that we can learn from um, your followers in the Bible, Lord, that they teach us how to behave, how to handle situations in our lives. Lord, I pray that we've learned that we can always look to you, that we always uh, follow you. We refuse to bow down. We refuse to make compromises um, that, that, would, that would hinder our walk with you. Lord, we're so grateful for the Holy Spirit and that, that, that he convicts us when those times come upon us. Lord, I pray that you will give us the strength to listen, the strength to, to, to follow you, the strength to, 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 to look away and, and, and turn our back on the things that you know that we're not supposed to do. Lord, we love you.